just want to welcome you to this service. We pray that God would use it in a very special way in your life and that you would be truly blessed. I've been blessed, by the way, uh, Rod and I go back many, a couple decades, I guess, not many, many decades, but a couple decades, and we've been uh, in ministry together. He's been my dentist. I actually used to do uh, a couple worldview classes for your church back in the day. Uh, I noticed uh, Ray Martinez was in it, I saw last week, and that was kind of cool to see him again and a couple of the other people. But uh, this is a very special church, I want you to know, if you don't know already. Uh, a lot of churches have been closed over this, as you know. And uh, I started, my wife and I were able to come here because uh, we had to have people. And so we ended up deciding, we're just going to come to that drive-in church down there that Rod's doing and see how that's going. We started with the drive-in, we got out of the car, sat over there, looked, we got in the tent, all of those whole things. And this is a great, great way to respond to it. I really applaud you guys. How about a little round of applause for you guys? While we're, while we're talking about applause, uh, I'd like to introduce uh, the best of me is my wife, Leslie, sitting over here. You can just kind of raise your hand. She, uh, she is... Uh, the love of my life, we have been not only uh, married for almost 49 years, but we're best friends. And as I said to my students in college when I was teaching, every year I'd say, you know, they couldn't believe we'd been married so long. And I'd always say, yeah, and I think it's going to work out. So, uh, and it has. It's been great. And um, anyway, it is a delight to be here today. Uh, I have a lot of things to say and not enough time to say it as pastors do. But uh, I hope that it will be a benefit to you. And uh, I wanted to uh, open with Matthew. We're going to be doing one of my favorite passages. This goes back to my early years as a Christian, 50 years ago now. And, uh, and the Lord has worked it in my life over and over again, many, many times throughout my life. So what I'd like to do is I'd like us to read the passage I know Pastor Rod likes to do that, and I like to, in honor of God's Word, remember, we're reading an inerrant Word of God. This is the Word of God. This isn't someone's opinion. This isn't like reading a really wonderful novel that's very inspirational. This is the very voice of God speaking to us, and what a power it has done in my life, and I'm sure it has done it in yours as well. So if we could just stand, if you have your Bibles, the words should be on the screen. I'd like to go ahead and read verse 28, and you can read verse uh, 29, and then I'll read verse 30. So I'll point to you when it's your turn, and you can just read it right out of this translation, because everybody's got a little different translations. So you read verse 29 after I read verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and overburdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Lord Jesus, will you take this, your word, and take it to our hearts today? Help us, dear Father, to be able to apply this to our own lives, to touch us in a deeper way, to learn how to yoke up with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. On December 24th, 2015, that's Christmas Eve, you know, I had a real come-to-Jesus moment. 
after about a week of three times almost collapsing in my workout, not quite knowing what was going on, but took deep breaths, and as we do to get on with things, we just take a few deep breaths, and we go on. And I recovered, and I went on. And finally, the 23rd, I was in Costco, pushing the carts, you know, the little carts. And I could hardly do that. I started like, am I even going to get through this? And so, long story short, as I got home, said, you better go get checked out by the doctor. Doctor said, I don't think there's really anything wrong with you, but we're going to put you in Redlands Hospital and have you have a treadmill test. Well, the next day was the 23rd. I thought I'd be out for my daughter's, birth, my daughter's uh, first new house she had, and I was going to spend the time there at Christmas Eve. Well, I walked in to Dr. Murray's office in Redlands, wonderful Christian man. He said, what are you in here for? And I said, I don't know. I feel fine. Should be fine, you know. I just have this little pain every time I get my cardio going. He said, well, let's look what's going on. Well, after that test... He looked at me in his own way. We quite quite caught each other's personality really quickly. And he said, Randy, you have failed this test with flying colors. You are 99% chance of having a heart attack at any time. And then we looked at my heart, which wasn't beating very well at the top. He said, I think you're going to need a stint. And I said, yeah, that's what I told. I thought we needed that too. So anyway, we went on, scheduled that for the 28th. Went into Loma Linda, got in, thought, man, this is going to be good because you get the stint and you feel really well. Well, I failed that test with flying colors as well. When they looked at my results, he said, oh, sorry, after about 20, 30 minutes, we can't do this. You're going to have to have more, basically, the open heart surgery. I end up getting my report back. I've got my report here in case people can't believe this because I couldn't believe it. (laughs) All my arteries were clogged. One was 100%. I thought you had a heart attack when that happened. The other was 99, 99, 80, 60 was my best. I was at a come to Jesus moment. Jesus brought this verse to my mind, which he had brought many years before, over and over again. And it was the thing that made all the difference in my life. And I hope that as I walk through this, you know, as you go through a verse, I've studied this 50 years, you just get deeper and deeper and deeper and more layers. And boy, did I need a couple more layers as I was going through this verse. You, you find in it this first step. You find that Jesus says, you know, before I do that, I think I'm going to mention something to you. Job is a great example of various steps in faith. I want to give you three little kind of examples of growing in faith. One is what we call the faith of propriety, The second is the faith of desperation. And the third is the faith of sufficiency. Most of us often live with what we call the faith of propriety. You can look at all the characters in the Bible and you'll see them growing through this. And there's nothing wrong with this faith. You find Job had this kind of faith. If you read in Job chapter 1, 
you will find that this man is described as blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. And then in verse 8 of chapter 1, God adds that there is no one like him in all the earth. But as you study Job, and by the way, you could study all the characters of the Bible, and you're going to see kind of this progression. As you find God allows him to be everything taken away, and he is in a faith of desperation. In fact, by Job 13, 15, you hear him say, Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. I have been there. And sometimes that's as far as people ever get in just a faith of desperation. They either live a life, they come to Christ, they believe all the right things, and they're kind of blessed and life goes on, and then they have troubles, and then they have this faith of desperation. But what's amazing that Jesus is telling us in this passage, there's something more wonderful than that, and it's the faith of sufficiency. The faith of sufficiency. This is what Job found at the end of the book when he said in Job 42.5, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. I've heard the things. I know the things. I believe the things. But now... I have a vision of you. And it was that, out of the whirlwind, God speaks. And all of a sudden, all of Job's issues and problems became focused on seeing, as it says, see God himself. A vision of God. And that's what Jesus was doing as he calls us to come to him. Let's look now at the passage. John, or Matthew chapter 9, verse 30, verse uh, 28. We see Jesus invites us to live a life without lack. And this type of life is laid out in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. In verse 28 through 30, you have it in the context. Let me lay the context for you. It's one of the critical points in Jesus' ministry. You have in Jesus' ministry, you have in chapter 9 and 10, Jesus is presenting himself to the nation of Israel as their Messiah, their King, through doing these incredible miracles and all this works. And then he comes to chapter 11, and there's a critical rejection of Jesus. They actually accuse him of doing his miracles by Beelzebub. And then when we get to chapter 11, at the end, Jesus, you see, is turning and stepping away from Israel, and he's going to eventually go to the Gentiles. And yet he makes one last call to them. And in that context, he invites them to come to him, to take his yoke, and to learn from him. Let's look at the passage and see how, how he does that. Jesus invites you to live life without lack. Notice the first verse in John, excuse me, Matthew 11, verses 28. Jesus says to them, after all of this rejection, 
Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what I experienced. After that, two failed surgeries, I ended up getting, calling immediately Dr. Murray. And I said, Dr. Murray, the stints are not going to work. What do I do? And he said, uh, I need to get a heart surgeon. He says, well, I would, I would uh, get Dr. Razuk. Dr. Razuk, if you know anything about it, he's the best heart surgeon at Loma Linda at that time. And so I called and asked for him, and they say, they laughed at me. They said, huh. He's, he's three months advanced. You, he, he's booked for three months. There's no way you can get him. I said, well, could I have an actual consultation with him? Well, you can have a consultation. So I went in, consulted with him. We talked. He wanted to know about me. He ended up, what I thought was he was going to say is, well, we have many fine surgeons. I'm too busy. And he started to say that. And then all of a sudden, wait a minute. Let me call my nurse. And he started looking at his schedule. And that was the sixth. And then came the seventh. And then came, and, and he kept going through the weeks. And finally he said, wait, I have an opening the 19th. And I thought to myself, the 19th, I'll be dead by the 19th. And everybody was telling me, you've got to get out there. You've got to get this thing done. And God and Jesus kept telling me, remember, come to me, Randy. Trust in me. And that's the power of what Christ can do. Come to me, who all who are weary and overburdened, and I will give you rest. But there's a couple conditions that we need to do. Notice there's three active verbs. You must come to him. But we don't just come to him to get to heaven. We don't just come to him so that we can try to uh, just care for ourselves. We actually come to him as his disciple. We, as he says, take my yoke upon you. That's what I call saddling up with Jesus. So we first have to do life with Jesus, and then secondly, saddle up with Jesus. Take my yoke. Now, yoke, by the way, is not what I ate this morning. You know, the yoke of an egg, that's not what it's talking about. Those of you who maybe don't know, Eukaipans should know a little more about horse and how this goes, so you probably know this. But for others, a yoke is a collar. It's something I remember, especially as a child, the Amish, when they would put this collar on and this yoke, and they would have an older horse and a younger horse training the younger horse to get in line with this older horse. And they would pull uh, a wagon, or they would pull some kind of a thing through the field to be able to chop up the field and things. And so they ended up taking a yoke. and, and, And what would happen often with these young beginners' horses at first, they would be real excited, and they would just be pulling that thing, and the old horse would say, okay, if you want to do all the work, you go ahead and do all the work. And this horse is just running there as crazy as he can, and all of a sudden, he's getting really tired. And then he gets back, and, he, and then he's getting his legs hit because he's not keeping up. So he can't get in step, and so he's got to get in yoke with the lead horse. And that was what Jesus was telling me. He says, Randy, you need more than just a Savior here. You need me as your life. If you're going to experience life when there's nothing that looks very good on the outside, you're going to need to learn how to come in my yoke. Not your yoke. I know you have all kinds of plans and how you want it to work out. 
But that's not where you're going to go. So that is a critical step is coming in his yoke. I had to realize, you know what? If it's the 19th, it's, it's, this is going to be a month after I had this whole surgery. And I'm going to have to learn to be calm. And I'm, sh- I'm sh- really confident that that lack of stress I had in my life because of Jesus was what was helping me continue and not have a heart attack. I never had a heart attack in this. In fact, I asked Dr. Azuk after all of this, I said, Doctor, I only have one more question. How, with all of the clogging that I had, I know how serious it was, how did I not have a heart attack? And this wasn't my pastor. This was one of the heads of, of thoracic surgery at Loma Linda. He literally said, because the Lord loves you and is watching out for you, there is no explanation. Hallelujah for that. That is amazing. That is, and it's, I'm nothing special. I'm just a guy. God is there for us, but we've got to do things. We have to come to him. We have to take his yoke upon us, not our yoke, not our plans. And then the finally, uh, well, let me, go, let me give you another verse that will help you with that. In Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 is kind of a famous verse, but it's very illustrative of this taking this yoke. Notice what it says in Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want you to notice the translation that I'm reading for. I, it says, uh, I now live in the flesh. This life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith. Some translate, translations say in the Son of God. What this is in, in, in the uh, grammar is you can translate, I live by the faith of the Son of God. See, faith is a confused verse. Faith is, faith is confidence, trust. What faith means is what you all have in those chairs right now. As I'm looking at you sitting here, you look very relaxed. Some of you look really relaxed in those chairs. Why are you so relaxed? That chair could collapse, break, you fall, and you break your back. But why don't you do that? Because you have trust in that chair. That's a good chair. How do you know it's a good chair? You've sat in that chair before. You've sat in chairs like it. And you know, those kind of chairs hold you. I used to tease my students at school. I used to tell them often, you know, when I was illustrating this idea of faith, which faith is trusting in what you have good reason to believe is true. We have very good reason to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and He can do what He promises. And it's a matter of learning through experience, seeing Him, having Him come through, trusting Him, but you've got to yoke up with Him. You've got to learn from Him. And so He will give you His... Did did Jesus have any faith? Now, faith is confidence. He was the most confident one you could have. And he can give us that faith and that confidence and pour it into us. And so notice, we come to him. Okay, we have to choose, I'm going to do life with Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. We have to take his yoke upon us. 
saddle up with him literally. This is a big step because this is a step where you are truly a disciple. You're an apprentice of Jesus. You learn from the master. You watch what he does, and then he shows you, and then you go do it. And that's what Jesus is trying to do with us. So, and then he says, take up the cross, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You know, this is the only place in the New Testament where Jesus describes himself. Isn't it interesting? He says he's gentle and he's humble in heart. I want to give you an interesting paradox of that. Jesus showed that to me when I had this whole thing open. When I had the heart surgery, it was a quadruple bypass surgery. And as a result, I ended up right after the surgery, I had to come and take a calcium uh, injection. They put it right through my uh, juggler vein here. You know, they have you all wired up with all this stuff. And then they just shot it right in. And, and this was the first one was about 5 p.m. after my surgery. And you know what happened when I had the calcium? They send that in for you, shoot that into you because it heals your heart quicker. That's what I'm told anyway. And so I'm getting it, and all of a sudden my whole family is around me, and all of a sudden I'm getting dry heaves. You know what that feels with this, bro- this you know, you ever had a broken rib? And you know what it's like to laugh or cough? Well, think about this thing being wide open. And two tubes touching your heart and your lungs, they don't like to be touched. And it was excruciating, one of the most excruciating pains I've ever seen. I had to have that four times. Two o'clock in the morning came. Every time I had had that, I had this excruciating pain. Doctor was with me that whole first 24 hours. He came about 1.45 in the morning. Do you know that 1.45 in the morning in a hospital is about the loneliest time you could ever be in a hospital? If any of you have been there, you know exactly what I mean. It's dark. It's lonely. There's nobody there. I'm in such pain, I literally can't even move without excruciating pain. And now I'm going to come in. So the doctor comes up to me and he says, uh, Mr. Rodney, he says, I just want to let you know, in 15 minutes, we're going to give you your last injection. And I'm sorry, but we do have to do this. And I know you're having the reactions, but this will be your last one. And I remember I looked at him and I put up my finger and said, one more? He said, yes, just one more. I said, I can do one more. <laughs> so I was there. I had 15 minutes alone. And you know what happened? Jesus came to me. He said this. He said, why don't you ask me to take away the reactions? You know what I did? I argued with him. Not a, you know, I couldn't move, but in my head I would say, Lord, I said, you, and by the way, I, have, I can't tell you all. He did so many miracles through up to this point. I had been given, I had the best doctor. I had all amazing things happen miraculously. And I said, Lord, I don't want you to think I'm just one of your whiny servants that has to have everything go right and can't suffer, can't have any pain. And I'm going on and on and on and on and on. And finally, I stop. 
And you know what he says? And by the way, you can tell his voice. It's different than your voice or other people's voice. It's not whiny. It's just calm. It's collected. It's not manipulative. But it's strong. And it's gentle. And he just said this. It's your call. Three words. It's your call. I said, my call. <laughs> so I thought. So here's what I did. I said, okay, Lord, I'll tell you what. I'm going to ask you to do that, but I mean, it's got to be a super miracle. I'm not asking. I mean, it's got to be like Shadrach, Mikshanik, Abednego. There's not the smell of smoke even. Not only you're not burned, there's not. So that's what I asked for. And I said, if you do that, I'll tell everybody I can for the rest of my life, including these doctors. Bottom line was, he came in. He puts the injection in. Every time there'd been a burn, goes down, then there ends up being starting, get sick to your stomach, you know, and then dry heaves. Shoots it in. All of a sudden, I'm thinking, that's, I don't feel a burn. The next step, I'm not getting nauseated. And all of a sudden, the doctor said, okay, we're through. You're done. And I said, oh, my gosh. I didn't feel anything. That was a miracle. But I'm not going to tell anybody because maybe it'll come later, and I don't want to embarrass you, Lord, so I'm going to wait for an hour before I tell anybody. Make sure it didn't come on. Sure enough, there was nothing. And I told Dr. Azuki, you couldn't imagine how rejoicing they were in that. The bottom line is I'm not anything special. This is just God bringing me to a point where I needed to be so that I could come to him, take his yoke, and that I could learn from him. And the result is this, what the passage says. Verse 29c, you will find rest for your souls. Amen? That is what I'm talking about. Some of you have experienced that. If you haven't today, God is inviting you not to just be saved so you can go to heaven. You have the resurrected life in you now if you're a believer. You can live in that kind of victory. And the suffering will not matter. In fact, it was amazing. You will find rest for your souls in verse 30, basically, is you will find that life's burdens become much easier, lighter, doable when harnessing with Jesus. He will give you his life, a life without lack. I remember the surgery of the friends as I was getting ready for the surgery. To show you how this worked in my life, I had dear friends that came over, oh, about the, I don't know, the first week of January. And everybody kept telling me, you got to get in. You can't just wait. You know, you're going to have a heart attack. And I was so calm, and we were at peace, and we, it, was, it was amazing what God gave us at that time. And you know what they thought? They thought I was in denial of how serious the problem was that I was facing. I wasn't in denial. I knew that I could die at any moment. But it didn't matter. It was Job's experience. It doesn't really matter. I have the sufficiency of Christ. He is the one filling me with everything I need. And you can have that as well. So remember, the three things you need to come to Jesus, obviously. That is, say, not just come in salvation, but no, I'm doing, I'm doing life with you every day, every day, morning through night. I'm going to take up your, I'm going to set my yoke aside and I'm taking up your yoke. That's critical. Not going to work if you don't do that. Third, you're going to learn from him. Jesus has a lot to teach us. We will never stop learning from him. Now, I want to close with one other example and then a scripture verse and we'll be done. 
I don't know if you, they have it on the slide. I don't know if they have any. But the, uh, this is, there's a picture of my, uh, I can't see it on this screen, but there's a picture of my, uh, 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 another heart. Yeah, I see it there now. Is in 1971, many years before I'd just become a Christian, my dad died of a heart attack at 49 years of age. My hero. He was gone like that. I went to Levitt's Furniture to work. I saw him out of the side, back of my car, waved to him, and that was the last time. He was gone. Four years later, my mother died of cancer. Those are pretty difficult things. I remember walking and wailing and crying. It was like the Middle Eastern weeping, and I cried and cried. And then I got through, and God gave me this last verse I want to put up. And I want to encourage you with that. If you need something from the Lord today that you can be able to see, He's going to provide what you need. He's trustworthy. The reason we've got to trust Him is because He really is trustworthy, but you've you got to learn that. That's what He says. You've got to come to me and learn that. And so in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, as a young 20-year-old, I started the process of learning how to live like the life Jesus wanted to give me, which was a life without lack. It says this, No temptation has overtaken you. Such is common to man. God is faithful, who, is, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, that you will be able to endure it. Now look at that. I remember, the pro- I remember the process very well as Jesus was as a 20-year-old. said, Randy, yes, your dad has died. But I want you to know, you're not the first person that has ever lost something in their lives. That is, the temptation that you're about to face is common to man. It's a challenge which you can use for your good and my glory, if you'll trust me. That was the first thing. Will you trust me? And then he said, I'm faithful. God is faithful. He's faithful. He's not going to allow you, Randy, to be tempted beyond what you can handle. And all of a sudden I said, you must think I can handle this. And all of a sudden, as a 20-year-old, you're kind of proud, you know, and you say, oh, so you don't think other people could handle this, but I can handle it. Wow. I looked at it as a badge of honor rather than as some disaster. And so I said, Lord, I will trust you. And not only would I do that, he would give me the ability to endure that process. Folks, whatever you're facing right now, I don't know what it is. It was heart disease, cancer, problems with the family, jobs, whatever it be. He's good and he can be trusted. He's the one. And the, the key to all this I would just say is this. The key to living life without lack is going beyond believing the right things so that you can go to heaven when you die, but instead you yoke up with Jesus and learn from him how to trust in him, his complete sufficiency through his power, his character, his love, his spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not you trying harder. 
It's you trusting him better, and he will do it by God's grace. Let's pray. Our great and glorious Father, we come to you, and we ask you to help these dear folks today. We know that we're all at different places in this, and that you are working in our lives in a wonderful way. We pray, Lord, that you will help each of us, the person that needs to just come to you, Help them. Maybe they've never come to you. Lord, you're asking them right now to give their heart to you. Let them come. Some have come other times, but they need to come in a new way. Help them to learn this faith of sufficiency. Then let them learn from you. Help them take your yoke and be transformed. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.